Amen. Thank you. Pastor? And before we get started, I just want to say thank you to all of those, and just again myself, who have served uh, in our armed forces, and thank you for your service. My grandfather served in the Navy uh, during the Korean War, and I remember just speaking to him and, and listening to stories from him growing up. And I remember one time asking him just about the process and, and asking him about everything and, and different things. And I remember him saying, you know, some from personal experiences, some from just knowing other people who served in, in other branches as well. But one thing he told me was when you joined the armed forces, whether it be the, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force, you really had to be, especially during a time of war, completely committed. And, and he said, I remember, and I've, I've known some people who, they went to boot camp, and they really didn't take boot camp seriously. They kind of just got through it and, and really just didn't listen as much as they should. And, and, and one of the things he told me, which was eye-opening as a you know, younger kid, was that those were the people who died very quickly, who weren't 100% committed. I remember pastor, you know, just last week, preaching, uh, he preached a message entitled, He Must Be Born Again. It's a good message. I encourage you, go to our website, considerharvest.com, and, and, and look that message up and listen to it. It's a very, very good message, very, uh, very needed. Uh, but when someone is born again, when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, everything changes. We really, as Christians, we go from living a life for ourselves before we're, we're saved, before we trust Christ, to then living a life so that Christ may be seen. At least we're supposed to, right? Pastor, even in the message, used the illustration of marriage. When you get married, you're telling your spouse that you are going to be totally committed to them. And when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are telling Christ that they're going to be totally committed to him. You think, maybe last week, think about the passage in Luke 14 where, where Christ is saying that we need to count the cost talks about the, the person who's going to go build a tower. Before he even goes to start building, he makes sure he has the money, he makes sure he has the supplies, so that he doesn't just get almost done and then has to stop. He may count the costs. You see, is this something I'm really able to do? Talks about the, uh, Jesus talks about the, the, the general, the, the king, who, before he goes to war, looks to see if he, am I able to defeat this army? He counts the cost. Listen, if, if someone goes and gets married, then after they get married, they go on dates every Friday with different people. Is that person really committed? No. But as people who claim to be Christians, we say we're Christians, but yeah, we go to church three times a week. Maybe we read a chapter or two in our Bible, but 
All the other times, it would be hard for a jury of our peers to ever convict us of being a Christian. When we live for ourselves and not for Christ as Christians, we are committing spiritual adultery. And God says that we need to consider our ways. In the passage we're in this morning, if you haven't found it yet, I encourage you to go to Matthew and just go back a couple books. All right? Go to Matthew, go back a couple books, you'll find it. All right? This is one of the minor prophets, uh, simply not because the message is less important, but simply because the book is shorter. It's a whole two chapters. When we look at this passage, we come and find the Israelites having returned from Babylon. They've been back in Jerusalem for about 16, 18 years now, and they came back with the purpose to build the temple. And they started, but then they stopped. And when we get to Haggai, the work had been stopped for 16 years. There was a problem. These people had been given a task. They had been given a job, but they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And God tells them in this passage, consider your ways. And this morning, as you sit and as you listen, as you look in your Bibles for yourself, some of you might be saying, God's given me a task. And listen, God has given each and every one of us as Christians a task. Are you doing it? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Listen, if you are or if you aren't, can I ask you this morning as we look through this passage to consider your ways? Let's go ahead and begin looking of this passage, when we look at the people, the people who are in Jerusalem, there are 50,000 Jews in Jerusalem at this point who had been neglecting the building of the temple. And the reason, can I tell you the reason why they were neglecting the building of the temple? Number one, we see their priorities that were rotten. You see, the, the temple lay in waste. Haggai chapter one, verse number four, says, it is time for you, O ye that dwell in sealed houses, and this house lie in waste. See, again, in 538 BC, Cyrus decreed the, the decree that the Jews should go back to Jerusalem and build the temple. Two years later, they had built an altar and they had laid the foundation. After that, guess what happened? Adversity. Adversity. They got the foundation built. And people saw it. People who didn't love God. People who didn't love Israel. And so what, you know what they did? They first came and like, hey, uh, Zerubbabel, can, can, can we help? Can, can we help you build this temple? And Zerubbabel, being a wise man, said no. He knew that if he let them help, that all they were going to do was be a hindrance. I'll never forget, you know, just, I love playing with my sons. I was playing with Kobe yesterday in the kitchen. We, I got a huge amount of dominoes. And so we were stacking them up, and then I was letting him knock them down. And I got this great idea to just see how high we could stack them up this way. 
And so we were playing in the kitchen because that's the only room in the house that has, you know, uh, you know hard floors. And, and so I stacked him up and stacked him up. And then at one point, he just went whoosh and knocked him down. And my heart sank when I saw a bunch of them go underneath the stove. Um, but every single time, I kept trying to build him up or, or stack him up. You know what Kobe did? Every single time, he knocked him down. And he loved it. But these people, they wanted to hinder God's work. And so that didn't work. And so instead of, you know, just trying to join them, they wrote a letter to the king saying, King, these people, whew, they're bad people. They're rebellious people. You let them do this, they're going to, you're not going to get taxes anymore. You're not going to get tributes anymore. And the king said, Stop. And so instead of then obeying God rather than man, what happened? The work stopped. And you say, well, maybe they'll just you know, go and try to appeal and try to talk to him. No. The work stopped for 16 years. They just stopped. Can I just make a quick illustration here too? They got the foundation built. And when you can apply this to your life, some of you here are new Christians. We're having, I think, 10 people baptized today. New Christians. You have the foundation built. Now, as Christians, we're supposed to grow in Christ. In other words, we're supposed to, as 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, build upon that foundation. Do you think that when Satan sees the foundation built, that he's just going to let that go? No. See, Satan knows that if he can stop the building at the foundation, it's a whole lot easier than stopping the building later when there are already walls. If you've recently trusted Christ, take the wisdom of Christ, the wisdom of the Bible, and be sober. Be vigilant. First Peter 5.8 Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, some of us as Christians, we've, in our Christian life, built a house of straw. We know how the three pigs goes, Right? The house of straw doesn't last. Some of you, you might be a little bit stronger. You build a house of sticks. But still, when true adversity comes, what happens? We need to build on the solid rock with the correct building materials, the correct doctrine, right? And grow and grow and grow. Listen, the moment you stop growing is when you have problems. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or five days. If you stop growing, you're in trouble. But 16 years, that's a long time. You know what that tells me about these people? They got comfortable with where they were at. They got comfortable with where they're at. They had the altar. They had the foundation. 
That was enough for them. I ask you, is knowing that Jesus Christ saved you, coming to church three times a week, one time a week, praying before your meals, praying when you get up, praying, is that enough for you? Are you satisfied with that? It's not enough. It's not enough. See, their apathy to the spiritual led to a focus on the temporal. You see, look at this in Haggai, again, chapter 1, verse 4. It said, It is time for you, O ye that dwell in your sealed houses. And this house lie in waste. We, we don't really know and understand what it means by sealed houses. What that means is their, their houses had luxury paneling. And it really was a luxury. You see, in these 16 years where they stopped building the temple, they simply were focusing on themselves, gathering wealth to themselves, making themselves look good. But they had neglected to even think about how that made God look. You think about coming to Israel at that point. You're coming to Israel, you see all these houses, and they're paneled, and they look great. Man, these are, these are practically, this is a really nice neighborhood. This is, if you can, this is where you live because you do want to raise your family here. And you go through this, wow, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And you think about other cities. Other cities you go to and you see their houses like, oh, these look good. But the, te- the temple to their God always looked better. These pagan cities all around them, the temple to their false gods looked better than their houses. And so now you come to Israel that's worshiping worshiping the real and true God, and you see all their, wow, these houses are great. What must their temple look like? And you go up and you see an altar and a foundation. In church, they got comfortable. They got comfortable. Their priorities stopped being on what God wanted and started being on what they wanted. And they got comfortable in it. And if I just might say, listen, we live in America. I think the the correlation here is pretty obvious. It's very easy to be comfortable. It's very easy, easy to be comfortable. It's easy to live every day of our lives without even wondering where our food's coming. Wondering, am I going to be okay? We, We... we just live and live and live and don't even think about God. We're comfortable. We think about, I worked with teenagers really until I came here. I love teenagers, love working with them. But I think about this, you know, when we talk about teenagers, what, what teenagers are, are doing, it's not what teenagers are doing. We say, hey, Chase, what are you going to do with the rest of your life once you graduate from high school? And we try to say, well, what do you think you're going to do with the rest of your life? Do you know what, you, do you know what the question never is for teenagers? What are you doing now? Then you graduate from high school, you graduate from college, and you start a family. And someone asks you, hey, uh, the church needs some help, some help here. What, what do you think about possibly being a part of this? And you say, you know what, man, all these, these kids, are, are, they're a handful. 
I really don't have time. I really don't have time right now. Once the kids are out, you know, are older, once the kids are out of the house, you know, then, then, I, can, then I can really help. I tend to think about the example we set when we do that. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll serve God once things are easy, right? That's, that's really what we're saying when we do that, right? When God says, hey, you should, you should do this, like, God, oh, no, no, it's, things are just busy. And, you know, once it's easy, what example are we giving to the next generation? Think about that. We're telling the next generation that God's not important. These people in Israel were telling the next generation that God's not important. Personal wealth, personal safety, self is more important. We get so busy building the temporal that we neglect the eternal. They had priorities that were rotten. In this passage, we see their priorities. But then we see, number two, that that God says there's a pondering that's required. They need to think. They need to consider the way they viewed themselves. Haggai 1.5, it says, Now therefore saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. How many times have we gotten in a service and we, we, the service starts and we hear what the, 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 the speaker says, the pastor says, and we say, ooh, I hope, I hope that person's listening to this. Man, Barry needs this one. Oh, sorry, Barry. <laughs> you gave me a hard time in Sunday school, so. <laughs> but we think about other people and like, oh, man, they need this. No, no. God says, consider your ways. Listen, when I listen to a message, the person I should be thinking of is me. When you listen to a message, when you listen to God's word, when you go to God's word, the person you should be thinking about, what should this, how should this affect my life? It's you. Consider your ways. Listen, when God said something once, when God said so, says something once, we need to listen. But when God repeats himself, I say, we should take special notice. Let's go to Haggai 1.7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, what? Consider your ways. Listen, stop thinking about Jack and Jill beside you. Jack and Jill will not stand with you in judgment, and you will not stand with them in judgment. You will stand before God to answer to God for what you have done. And I will stand before God by myself to answer for what I have done. Consider yourself. Can I ask you, what are you you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? At my last church, there was a young man who I spent a lot of time with, and I was trying to encourage, I was trying to help, and I, I would kind of, you know, how, how you do it, you're trying to be kind, and you're trying to be nice, and you're trying to be loving, and, and I would be like, hey, 
and I would kind of beat around the bush a little bit because I didn't want to make him mad to where he wouldn't hang out with me because I wanted to continue to try to help him and encourage. But we got to a point where in a relationship where I knew that we had a good relationship, that we were, we were truly friends and he would, he would listen to me. So we, so we were together one time and I just looked straight at him, just like I'm looking at Eric right now. And we're, you know, it's a little closer, but I'm not going to come down there because I'm lazy. All right. But I looked straight at him. I said, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, we have church activities, we have, we have church functions, we have services. You come, you leave, you don't, that, that's all you do. What are you actually doing for God? And I made him think. I remember him coming back to me, like, a month later and be like, Charles, you asked me that question, and I thought about it, and I literally could say nothing. But how many of us here this morning, if we truly thought about it, We truly could probably say nothing too. You might say, well, I'm too young. Man, David was pretty young. Daniel was pretty young. Most of, the, most of the disciples were pretty young. The servant girl to um, the general, the Naaman, I think, she was pretty young. God can use you. Some of you say, yeah, I'm pretty old. Can I just ask you to read like, Genesis chapter 6 through like 9, when God asks a 480-year-old to build a boat to save the world. Anyone? 480 years old? Anyone? No. If God can use a 480-year-old, God can use you. Now listen. God might not use you for A. But it doesn't mean that God has something for you. God has something for each and every one of us. If God didn't have something for you, you know where you'd be right now? In heaven. In heaven. If you have no more use for him on this earth, he wouldn't keep you here. He has a purpose he has a plan. Some of you who might be, consider yourself a little older, maybe, 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 he has you here because there's a lot of younger people. A lot of the next generation that needs your wisdom, that needs your knowledge, that needs your help, that needs your training. Consider yourself. We also need to consider our circumstances. You look at the, the text here. Look at these people again in this text. It says, verse number six, says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You, you clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into, the ba- into a bag with holes. Verse number nine, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little, and when you, and when you brought it home, I did blow, up, blow on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because mine house that is waste, and, every, and ye run every man unto his house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountain, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that 
that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Listen, plain and simple, the Israelites were under the judgment of God and didn't even realize it. In the book of the law, God tells the Israelites that if you're not obedient, then I will not bless you. And I could go to Deuteronomy and, and, and go through those verses that tell you that, but really, I just read what those verses say in Haggai. Because everything that God said that if you're not obedient, this will happen. Except for the whole, you know, taking away again. <laughs> All those things, God said, this is what's going to happen if you're not obedient. But the Israelites were under the judgment of God and they did not even realize it. Listen, the Bible says that we know all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are called according to his purpose. This doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. But it does mean that God will work all things for our good. But only to those who love God. Listen, consider your ways. Look at your life. You say, man, I've been really, really struggling. I've been going through all, tri- all these trials and tribulations. Listen, when I go through a trial, when I go through a tribulation, the first thing I look, look at, and it's not necessarily I'm saying that this is, what, this is what it is, but the first thing I think about, is there sin in my life that is unconfessed? Because I want to make sure this isn't the judgment of God. And we think about, you know, in, in, the, in the Bible, and Matthew 7 says, and ask and shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. We talk about this first. Oh, God hears and answers prayer. And then some people are like, man, I just never really see God's prayers answered, God, my prayers to God answered. Well, maybe, just maybe, it's because you're not obedient. It's because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Maybe it's because you're like the Israelites in this passage. Listen, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen, God doesn't promise answered prayers to to the disobedient. The answered prayer is a conditional promise. Consider your ways. If you can say this morning, I'm not really seeing answered prayer in my life. Look within. Consider your ways. Is the reason you're not seeing answered prayer because you're not putting yourselves in a position to receive answered prayer? Consider your ways. We need to look inward. We need to think and compare ourselves against Scripture, not against other people. Listen, if I compare myself against other people, I can always make myself look good. Like, man, I don't feel very, I feel like I'm a terrible person. Oh, wait, there's Bill Brown. I'm good. I'm just kidding. But if we're honest, haven't we all done that at one point or another? We looked at ourselves, man, I'm not where I should be. But then someone comes in the door and we think, well, I'm better than them. I'm not doing this. I'm okay. No, we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. We compare ourselves to Christ. And listen, when we think, we can't just think, we can't just consider it and then just move on. When we think and we consider our ways, there's a preparation that is required. Number three, 
First, in the preparation, we need to humble ourselves. Haggai 1.8 says, Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You say, where's, where's humility in this verse? Go. Because he's telling them, stop putting yourself first. Go. Do my work. Humble yourselves. Your priorities need to be God's priorities. For the last 16 years, they had put them first. Now God is telling them they need to put him first. Church, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. We need to lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, go. In all our ways, acknowledge who? Him. And he shall, what, what shall he do? And he shall direct thy path. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, so we can put that up. Let's put up verse number 6. And he shall direct thy paths. Humble yourselves. It's not about you anymore. We must humble ourselves and we must commit ourselves to his work. It says, go up to the mountain, Haggai 1a, and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Notice that God didn't say, well, since you didn't get the temple done in the last 16 years, I guess, well, it is, it's just never going to get done. No. They had neglected for 16 years, but God's God speaking out like, listen, just go. Just, just go. I, 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 you might look at your life and say, yeah, man, if I'd only done this and prepared for this when I was younger, then I'd be able to be used of God now. That's not how God works. Listen, God doesn't bring something to your attention for you to be disappointed that you are not prepared now to do it. God might bring something to your attention now, so now you start preparing so you can be ready when he wants to use it. A couple years ago, now I was really just burdened and God brought to my attention that I, I, I needed to get better at my counseling skills. And so you know what I did? I started reading books on counseling. And you know what I found very interesting? That I would read a chapter, read a couple chapters, and then someone would come in my office, and they'd be like, hey, I'm struggling with this, this, and, 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 and would talk to them. And I'd be thinking, like, I just read this. Why? Because God brought it to my attention so that I would prepare so that when so-and-so came into my office, God would be able to use me. Again, it doesn't matter how old you are. God did not bring the condition of the temple to their attention simply to tell them that if you can build the temple, that if you had built the temple, that I would be able to dwell there now. But since you didn't, well, too bad. Now, God told them to build the temple so they would build the temple. Now, before, in your own heart this morning, you say, you know what? Fine. I'll do it. I will build the temple. My, my pride, they're no longer mine. They're God's. I want you to take some time to count the cost. Take some time to count the cost. Listen, as Christians, it's not supposed to be about us. 
it's supposed to be about God. But I want you to think about what would that mean for me? What would I have to change? What might I have to sacrifice? What would I have to do? What would I have to not do? Because listen, it's all in great to come down and say, yes, I commit everything. I'll do it. I'll build the temple and come to an altar and proclaim that to God. But how many times do we come to an altar or do we pray, God, I'll do it. And then we go our ways and we're forgetful hearers. I'm simply asking you this morning. Take time. Pray to the Lord. Ask him to search your heart, to try your thoughts. Consider your ways. Heavenly